morning, Mac family. Let us pray together. Lord, we are grateful for you today. We are thankful that we get a chance to worship you, serve you, celebrate you, to be about your kingdom business, and to be able to allow this Advent season to move us, grow us, and lead us. Guide this time that your people may hear from you so they might be encouraged by you, so we can live for you and look more like you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Church family, we uh, decided to visit some family in Ohio. And uh, as we were driving back to Detroit, driving back home, uh, it was pitch black outside. It was a, a, a snowstorm that was coming down like crazy. So that's why I'm actually not physically there with you today. We we, we, we was headed back. Now, don't get me wrong. I roll in snow. This is what we do. We, we are Michiganders. We are Ohioans. We are uh, Midwestern folk. And riding in snow is what we do. But we can kick it in the snow in the daytime. And, and even if it's a blizzard outside, if it's light, kids will go play. I mean, in the daylight, my dad would say, I don't care if it's a blizzard. You better get out there and shovel that driveway, clear it out so that your mama ain't slipping like we go outside, snowball fights in the daylight, the snow can come down. But we was driving in the night, and there's something about darkness that will disrupt your visibility. It affects your ability to see. It affects your uh, ability to make sound judgment because you don't know what's coming. And so at one point, we was trying to just follow the tracks in front of us because that darkness mixed with the snow was no joke. And it brought upon certain fears and it brought upon some wisdom where we say, you know what, we need to turn around, head back to moms and stay. And so I'm coming, connecting with you in this manner because we needed to stay and be and be safe. But but darkness isn't just something that, that we experience while driving. Darkness can can have a, a painful effect and actually be a weight that's upon you. I remember the, the beautiful place of Belle Isle that I love to take my family to and, and you love to take your families to. I remember the, the weight that I felt as I was listening to people reflect upon going through the, the COVID memorial and uh, the over 900 people's uh, faces that they put there to to celebrate their lives, but remember the damaging effect that COVID has had on us. There was a, a darkness that was associated with that. And, and in the recent weeks, the weeks of, of, of criminal justice system unrest where uh, Rittenhouse on one hand and Ahmaud Arbery on another, and all the complications with these cases brings forth a, a weightiness, a, a, a darkness that folks have been feeling as they think about our justice system and even the street justice that's been taking place, the darkness that happens when young women and young men seek to take one another's lives and this rapper named Young Dolph and a number of other people actually local in our in our city whose lives have been taken through the gun violence, like darkness is no joke. It is weighty. It is real. And unfortunately, it is a part of our, of our reality. But Christ, 
Christ seeks to not leave us in our darkness. He seeks to step into our reality. And today we will enter into our Advent season, our Advent story, our understanding of this entire Christmas month, this entire Advent month leading up to celebrating Jesus' birth. We enter into that story by looking at Zechariah and Elizabeth and the darkness that they were in, but how God showed up and showed out through sending one of his messengers. Would you turn with me to Luke chapter one? Luke chapter one. Luke chapter one. And we're going to start at verse five. Says Luke chapter one, verse five. In the days of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah of the division of Abijah. And he had a wife from the daughters of Aaron and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord, but they had no child because Elizabeth was barren and both were advanced in their years. Quick summary, you got King Herod is running things. He has allowed his power to move from one city to now be extended upon cities. And he is building a conglomerate, this, this entire kingdom under his name. But there are still faithful folks. There are still those that love God and are faithful to God's commandments. And both Zechariah and his wife, Elizabeth, fall within that camp. They both are considered righteous, good people. People that, that you want to say, that's my God, daddy. Or that's, that's my children's God, mother. You know, people that you want, us, that are associated with godly character that, that, that you want to be around and that are a blessing to others. They were righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all the commands and statutes of the Lord. Not people that are perfect, but people that were pursuing perfection and, and, and you could see it. But they had no children. They had no children and they were from uh, a lineage of godliness. You see Zechariah from the division of Abijah and, and, and Elizabeth and her family were from the priestly division as well. And so now you've got these two people from, from priestly divisions coming together where, where righteous living and pursuing God is, is what they know. It's who they are. It's kind of it's kind of like uh, uh, you think of Malia and ooh, we pastor supposed to know the person's name when you gonna use them as an example. But but what's Obama's daughter's names? You know you know the girls. You know the girls. Well well well, they come from good stock. That's that's Michelle's girls. That's you know that's 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 Barack's girl. You know when you associate with them, you know the history of their family, and so you expect good things. The same is taking place with Zechariah and with Elizabeth. Their families were, were priestly families that had served the Lord by being faithful in the temple. And now the two of them are, they're one. But they're experiencing some, some darkness. There's societal darkness because King Herod is running things and King Herod is evil. King Herod 
sees the kingdom as his kingdom and any kingdom that should be in competition is a threat and he eliminates threats. Listening to uh, Pastor Alistair Begg, he said it was better to be Herod's pig than his family member. You're safer as his pig, which someday will be eaten. You know, like someday all oh, safer as his pig than his family. Why? Because if you were a family member, you were a threat to his power. And at some point you were eliminated. So there's a darkness because of this societal evil is running things. But there's a personal darkness that they feel. They were up in age, they were older and had not had children. And unfortunately, uh, in that society and culture, people would still see them as righteous, good people that somehow God was not putting his touch on them. God was not blessing them because they didn't have children. So they may have been seen as, man, that's a good person, but you know, something ain't right about it. You know, people make assumptions when they when they can, when they don't know the answers. People begin to gossip. People begin to, to slander. People begin to say things that are unkind. And within a society where, where lineage was extremely important, her not having children, them not having children, them being old and not having kids was a blemish on their names. So they have the darkness of Herod that's trying to lead with an evil hand the pressures of not having children or just the inner longing of wanting to pass their name on what they have inherited on and not being able to do so. And then lastly, there is a religious darkness. You see, they have been faithful. Zechariah has been faithful. He has been a priest. He's been going to the temple consistently doing what priests do, but the temple has not had the presence of God in it for generations. And so day in and day out, you come to a place where you are longing to experience the Messiah. You are longing to experience this God that you have read about, seen the, the, the artwork that represents him leading you by fire and day and caring for you as a cloud at night. Oh, excuse me, the opposite. <laughs> you you got the stories, but you want to see his presence. You want to experience it. And, and his presence has not been in the temple for some time. So there's a darkness associated with wanting something you've yet yet to experience, wanting the presence of God. And so you get this beautiful couple, godly people, righteous character, good name and lineage, but experiencing a societal, a personal, and a religious darkness. But there's beauty in, in their relationship. See, the name Elizabeth comes from the name uh, Elizabeth. Eli Sheba, which can mean oath to God, or God is my satisfaction, or God is bountiful, or God is plentiful. And Zechariah means Yahweh has remembered. So it's cool that even as they talk to each other and their names interact, it's a reminder of God and his faithfulness. Let's continue to see how God's faithfulness shows up. 
verse 8. Now, while he was serving as priest before God, when his division was on duty, according to the custom of the priesthood, he was chosen by lot to enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And the whole multitude of the people were praying outside at the hour of incense. He was faithful. Now, now don't, don't get it twisted just because he's there and he's burning incense. You might think this is what they do every day, all day. No, the, the priests had a chance to be selected to burn incense probably once in their lifetime. Once in his entire lifetime, he got a chance to bring this offering before God. And now there's going to be a, a situation where God meets him in a once-in-a-lifetime event. God meets him kind of in, the, in this exceptional time, but also in the mundane time. Because as a priest, he does priestly duties again and again, every day, every day, every day, every day. And this one gets to be an exceptional one, but day in and day out, he's kind of repetitive. And family, I want to encourage you not to get dismayed, not to get sad, not to get weary in what might be considered mundane. Mundane means it's not exciting. Just because it's not exciting doesn't mean we shouldn't be faithful to it. We shouldn't be faithful to things like prayer, like reading our word, like serving. We got a, a dear brother in our church body, and I won't I won't put his name on blast because he'd probably beat me up. But but uh, this brother, I I I met with him, you know, pretty regularly. And I, I asked him, man, like, hey, you've been a blessing to us in so many ways. You serve in so many realms, and one of your realms of service just really helps us to be able to enter into the presence of God. And he said, Leon, the Lord has given me the ability to have some, some skills, but, but it's not necessarily the gift area where I flourish and feel like I just meet God. But you know what? I see a need in my church, and I faithfully want to meet that need. So as long as we have that need, I'm willing to serve. See, not, not only chasing the, the really cool experiences that are, that are awesome every day, but sometimes, and, and we're going to get into fl flourishing and operating in your spiritual gifts, which is important, and we want to be able to do that, y'all. So we're going to be going for that. But sometimes, you faithfully get up, you read your word. Say, Lord, I didn't, I didn't feel you. I didn't experience. But I'm, I'm going to be back tomorrow faithfully get up. Why? Because God can still meet us even in our rituals, even in our day-to-day, -day, even in the things that we do consistently that may not be the high mountaintop experiences, but God can still use it. Continue me in verse 11. See how God meets up with Zechariah. And then and there appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And Zechariah was troubled when he saw him and fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son and you shall call his name John. And you will have joy and gladness and many will rejoice at his birth. For he will be great before the Lord 
He must not drink wine or, or strong drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. He will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. Wow. Which, 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 which prayer? Like the Lord has heard your prayer, Zechariah. Which, which prayer are we talking about? Was it the prayer that I've been coming again and again to the temple, bringing forth on behalf of my people saying, come on, God, show up now. I'm looking for you, God. We need you, God. Where are you, God? Send your Messiah. Was it that prayer? Was it the prayer longing for, for this dark veil, this, this inability to see? Was it, was it that prayer where, God, you will remove the, the, the things that are blinding us, the darkness, Lord, allow us to see? Was it that prayer? Or was it the prayer of, I've been holding my wife at night and she is the one that I love and I'm grateful for you bringing her to me, Father. But there's something that we long for as one. We long for a child. We long for one whose name can continue on our lineage. We long for a child. Which prayer was it? Actually, we want to say it was both. We want to say that 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 God showed up and showed out, and I love that 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 there are seasons where whichever prayer that it was, you didn't hear God respond. Seasons where where God didn't say "gotcha" right away. Here you go. Yep, I was waiting on you. Here you go. Boom. Probably was some seasons of God. You hearing me? God, where are you? God, I'm being faithful. God, I'm being faithful. God, I'm waiting. I love that, that, that this messenger, this angel, he says, Zechariah, wait a minute, I want to make sure I get it right. I believe the, the, the phrase is, God has heard your prayer. He says, do not be afraid for your prayer has been heard. Heard. In verse, your prayer has been heard. Verse 13. God is listening. He hears. I don't want to tell, give you the fairy tale that every time you pray something, God's going to answer in the way that you ask. We're not all going to be Zechariah's and Elizabeth's. We're not all going to get the answer that we long for always. Because sometimes no is a good answer. As painful as no can be. Sometimes wait is a good answer. As painful as wait can be, and sometimes yes is a good answer. 
but God is listening. And so he says that God, God sends this message. And this message is that you're going to name him John. And John means Yahweh has been gracious. This act is a, a gracious act that God bestows upon them. And get this, it's not because of their righteousness. Their righteousness didn't earn God's gracious hand. Their faithfulness didn't earn God's gracious hand. God graciously does what he chooses sovereignly. And in this instance, he blesses and uses Elizabeth and Zechariah. Because their son is going to be the one who prepares the way, who gets hearts ready for the Savior. This is not going to be a son who comes before God and is jealous. No, this is going to be a son that comes before God and is joyous because he gets to tell the story of the Messiah that is to come. He's going to look a little different. He's going to act a little different, can conduct himself a little, a little different. That's a, I hope that's an encouragement to us. Yeah, you're not John, I'm not John, but our flow, our conduct, the way we behave should be a little bit different because we've been set aside for a purpose too. We've been set aside for a reason. This John is set aside to make way for the coming of the king, the advent of Jesus, the coming of the king, of our Messiah, of our Lord. So he says, rejoice at his birth. Rejoice. Continue with me in verse 18. I like that uh, one of the commentators that I enjoy reading, his name Stein, says, this prayer will be answered, but in a richer sense than Zechariah and Elizabeth ever dreamed. No doubt Zechariah and Elizabeth, are, as devout Israelites, also prayed for the coming redemption of Israel. Both prayers were to be answered in the same event because their son would prepare the way for the Messiah. Verse 18. And Zechariah said to the angel, How shall I know this? For I am an old man and my wife is advanced in years. And the angel answered him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. And I was sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. And behold, you will be silent and unable to speak until the day that these things take place, because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their name. And the people were waiting for Zechariah, and they were wondering at his delay in the temple. And when he came out, he was unable to speak to them. And they realized that he had seen a vision in the temple. And he kept making signs to them and remained mute. And when his time of service was ended, he went out to his home. You want a sign? You, 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 want, you, you want a sign? The very sign of, of God sending his messenger, his angel to show up right in front of you. That sign ain't enough. Gotta be careful what you ask for. Because his sign was silence. His sign was quiet. His sign was silence. I, uh, I'm blown away by 
the, the impact of doubt on the lives of God's people. Doubt can make you like second guess something basic, you know, you, you, you win something or someone wants to give you something, but you, you doubt yourself and inability to even be able to use it. So what do we do? No, I'm okay. No, I'm good. We, we can reject a blessing someone's trying to hook us up with. Like doubts can, can stop us from even seeing God, God moving. And if I can be honest, doubts fill our minds and doubts can paralyze. I was uh, looking at one of the, the philosophers and writers from back in the day. Uh, we, we, if you were to say his name in German, it's Goethe. But if you say his name in English, it's been, it's pronounced Guta. But because we Detroiters know how to really say your name, he's got a street named after it that runs through our neighborhood and we say Gothi. <laughs> we change a brother name all up. Gote, Gute, Gothi, whatever it is, Tay. This brother said this quote, and I thought it was so fitting. And he goes back generations. This German philosopher and, and, and artist and, and uh, playwright, poet. He says, give me the benefit of your convictions if you have any, but keep your doubts to yourself for I have enough of my own. Why, why? Why, why do we have tons of doubts? Why are we filled with doubt that can lead us to question God? Question God when he shows up, when he sends a messenger, isn't that enough? And I'm convinced that God is still moving in ways today where he shows up and he shows out and he gives us examples of himself. Yes, we may not have had a, a an angelic experience with, a, with an angel who says, just so you get it clear, I'm Gabriel, gives his name. We may not have had some of those experiences, but you've had experiences where you can say, no, nah, that wasn't coincidence. That was God showing himself. That was God's faithfulness on full display. That was God like, I got you. And then in the blink of an eye, we begin to doubt, begin to second guess, begin to look at all the stats that would not allow us to believe what God is saying and what he believes of us. Again, to say, well, hold up, look how old I am. Too old for this. Oh, my boo, too old. This, this, if it would have happened, it would have happened a long time ago. You, you, you entering into Zechariah's mind, you see it and you see how tempted we can be. But don't let the enemy use doubt to hinder him trying don't let the enemy use doubt to hinder us being able to receive the blessing God wants to give us. God is in the miracle business. It's not always a miracle of money. It's not always a miracle of, of, of fixing up your, your car or healing your body or, or 
even blessing you with a child. But he is in the miracle business of, of changing heart conditions, allowing us to love and submit to his ways over our own. And my prayer is that we would be a people that when we see him moving, we wouldn't doubt. We wouldn't doubt that we would walk in the purpose that God has outlined. There was a clear purpose outlined for John, a clear communication of that purpose to Zechariah. And doubt could have messed it all up, but God was faithful, right? And God continues to be faithful. Even when we mess things up, God's faithfulness will triumph, trump, and stump your doubts. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Stump my doubts. Let the Lord work. And when we have these doubts, I pray that God will give us strength to endure any, any consequence that may take place as a result. But more importantly, would he allow us to, to put them in their place, to check doubt at the door, to trust and believe when God reveals himself to us. So we have our, our brother, Zechariah, our sister, Elizabeth. They get to be used as a, as a beautiful tool for the coming of the Messiah. And God sends an angel to, to, to take what was an ordinary day, maybe, maybe different than ordinary, it was a day where he got the burn incense, but he didn't expect to have his entire life changed in that way. He didn't expect to have an experience with God. He didn't expect that he and his wife would have a different lifestyle from that point on. Family, I pray that we would long for experiences with God in this way and that we would look forward to God moving in miraculous ways in our hearts, in our lives, in the lives of those that we love. And that it would lead us to worship. Continue with me in these last two verses. After these days, his wife Elizabeth conceived and for five months she kept herself hidden saying thus the Lord has done for me in the days when he looked on me to take away my reproach among people not a fluke not a accident she gives credit to the one who's in charge she gives credit to the Lord she says thus the Lord has done for me when he shows up, when he shows out, make sure you give him credit. When he walks you through, cares for you through any doubt you may have, make sure you give him credit. When he meets you, even in the mundane, as you are, are seeing the light in the midst of darkness, make sure you give him credit. Let us pray. Lord, we, great, we are grateful for you. You are the one that has done it all. And each Sunday, we get a chance to celebrate you coming into our reality. This first Sunday, we thank you for the examples of Zechariah and Elizabeth. Thank you for their faithfulness. We're thankful for their commitment. We're thankful for you guiding them, Lord. And we, we know 
that you're still in the guiding business. So as we celebrate the coming of Christ, our answer, our light in the midst of darkness, Father, guide us so we may live for you and live for you fully. Thank you for being our peace. It's in your holy name we pray, Jesus. Amen. Thank you, Mac family.